0: This week's reading was accurately described by my dear friend Rabbi Mishael tzion as two funerals and a wedding. Indeed, this week's Torah portion, the reading for the Shabbat is enveloped, it is limbed by a funeral for Sarah Imenu, for our matriarch Sarah in the beginning and at the end of the parshah by our patriarch Avram Avino Abraham and in the middle the beautiful magnificent wedding courtship wedding matchmaking the original J-date, if you will of Rebecca and Isaac <coughs> And indeed, this Shabbat, we are also graced by the celebration of a wedding, which we will get to tomorrow, God willing, in our Dvar But it's through the first portal, the doorway of pain and loss, that I wish this evening to step through with you, if you will. Place an emphasis and a spotlight on the generative power of loss, as well as its pain. The parsha begins simply with a statement, Vayu chayei sara mea <speaking> shana <in> ve'esrim shana ve'sheva shanim shenei chayei sara v'atamat sara v'kirat arba hi'chevron b'eretz ken'an v'atavou avram livkod l'sara livkod l'sara v'livkota Out of nowhere, Sarah dies without any pretense, without any preparation, without any lead-up, without any sickness. All of a sudden, here we are. Abraham has just achieved a monumental moment. can imagine what it must have felt like for Avram, having come down the mountain with his beloved son, not having had to go through with it. He feels as if all of that is behind him. I'm in the clear. And then Sari Menu, the death of Sarah, his wife. This is the first moment in the Torah that we see somebody eulogizing. And we might have pause, we might wonder for a moment what might have been Abraham's, Abraham's eulogy for his beloved. Wondering. We might find a number of characteristics, a number of moments within Sarah's life. But I would submit to you tonight that we will not have to go very far. In fact, Abraham's eulogy might very well be the first verse in this week's Torah portion. Vayu Sarah, the Torah tells us these were the years of Sarah. She lived 100 years and 20 years and seven years. And this odd locution, this odd framing, this odd syntax leads the rabbis to ask a very basic question. We don't find anywhere else in the Torah when somebody's age is given that it's broken down into these three categories. 100 years, it says, and 20 years and seven years. It says 127 years, 320 years, whatever the year is, 120. So say the rabbis rishonim why would the torah have chopped up sarah's life in that way to give us three different numbers it says the midrash HaGadol, each and every day of sarah's life was like the entirety of her life Each and every day of Sarah's life was like the entirety of her life. Each and every day. I can imagine Avram standing up, and amongst all of the different attributes that he could speak about his beloved, he could say, let me tell you this about my beloved. She really lived. A hundred years, she was like she was 20 when she was 100. And when she was 20, she had the innocence of a seven-year-old. As time moved on, it brought out her deepest colors. Each and every leaf on her tree was blooming all the time. She was a vibrant red, a vibrant green. Each and every Monday and Tuesday, she squeezed life out of her days. She was 100 if she was 20, and 20 if she was 7. Wow, my wife Sarah, she really, really lived. This teaching from our sages really was hitting me so deeply this week because I had been waiting for a number of months to receive a memoir of a professor at JTS, Eitan Fishbane. And some of you might have known his story, it's a tragic story. In the fullness of his life and his wife Leah's life with a beautiful two-year-old daughter A beautiful four-year-old daughter, Adéret, his wife, pregnant, they discovered a massive brain tumor. And within two days, two days, she was gone. And when I heard that story, it hit me so deeply, it was seared into me. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting to receive this book. And wouldn't you know it had arrived this week. Shadows in Winter, a Memoir of Loss and Hope. And at one particular moment, Professor Fishbane is retelling a place that they had visited. And in this one particular moment of recollection, he pauses mid-memory to offer this reflection. He says, I was always struck by the strange irony, he says, of autumn. For only in their penultimate descent to death do the leaves reveal their most sublime texture. It is as though the saturated cherry red and the tangerine fire each were held deep within, concealed in the soul of the leaf. And as the leaf prepares to die, to yield to the relentless winds of approaching frost, It starts to show its true face, the essence of its beauty. Is our deepest soul opened up as we approach the end, he asks. I would submit that this week before Thanksgiving, as Eitan goes on to speak about in his memoir, the question isn't, are the leaves a deeper orange or a deeper green as they come to the end of their lives. The question the Torah wants us to be asking today and every day is what is it in us that is vibrant, alive, that needs to be out now? What are our true colors that we are waiting somehow, waiting for some circumstance, waiting for some moment, the Torah is saying Vayu chaye Sarah, she lived her life not waiting. She lived her life every single day with her beloved husband. One hundred years, seventy years, and seven years. The poet Mark Nepo in his book of Awakening writes, The goal of all experience in life is to remove whatever might keep us from being whole, The things we learn through love and pain reduce our walls and bring our inner and outer life together. And all the while, the friction of being alive erodes whatever impediments remain. But the simplest and deepest way to make who we are at one with the world is through the kinship of gratitude. The kinship of gratitude. Nothing brings the worlds of spirit and earth together more quickly to be grateful means giving thanks for more than just the things we want, but also for the things that surmount our pride and stubbornness. Sometimes the things I've wanted, he writes, and worked for, if I actually received them, would have crushed me. And sometimes just giving thanks for the mystery of it all brings everything and everyone closer, the way suction pulls streams of water together. And so he invites us take a chance and openly give thanks and even if you're not sure what for, and feel the plenitude of all that is living brush up against your heart. A week before Thanksgiving, I don't mean to put a damper on the religiosity of Thanksgiving and thankfulness, but I for one find that the deeper urges for meaning and community stem from a realization of the fragility of life. And might all of us not read this text as a practice? I call it the eulogy practice. The eulogy practice means, imagine all of those things about yourself and friends and all of those things we know that we don't talk about, and how were that person not present, how much you would miss all of it. The ugliness, the edginess, the messiness, the beauty, all the sublime, wholeness of it all. To be in that state of mind is to appreciate and to be in a state of thankfulness and thankgiving. So as we turn our attention towards the dark winter ahead, we are given yet another opportunity to take stock and cultivate gratitude, cultivate gratitude for the radiant colors of our lives, the angry reds and the happy oranges, the sad blues and the green envies. Bring all of them to mind and heart. We live with contingency and fragility. That's what human beings and being a human is all about. But it is this reflection on life's brevity, its impermanence, that opens my heart to embrace love and life, presence and absence over and over and over again. May the Holy One a blessing, who blesses us in joy, who blesses us in all beginnings and in endings, bless each and every one of us with the capacity to live our lives each and every day, each and every leaf, each and every color.